Good morning, Thrive Church. If you would worship with us this morning, wherever you at, let's sing and lift our voices together. And I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. The man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. And oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid to show you my weakness and my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. Your mercy and grace won't find me again. No, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. No, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. No,
we value most at Thrive is the power of prayer. If you're going through a particular circumstance and you would like someone to pray with you, we have a team waiting nearby to hear your prayer. Just click on the link in the description and submit your prayer and our team will pray with you. How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope Okay. 
you to continue to worship this morning with us through financial giving. And there are two ways that you can do that. You can text Thrive Church as one word to 77977, or you can visit givetothrive.me. Know that when you give to Thrive, you're making an impact in the community and in the world. So we invite you to give at this time. Now let's jump into today's message. to Thrive Church Online. It's good to have you guys with us today. Grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 5. That's Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 5. Now, one thing you probably know about me, and it's true also about people at Thrive Church, or this, and if you've not visited Thrive or been here much, you'll come to know this. We're a little bit sarcastic, maybe more than a little bit, And we're also a little bit cynical with things. We actually did a whole series on cynicism, and we dealt with this in December. We called it a Grinchy Christmas, and some of you were with us, and you learned about cynicism. Well, I want to tell you a story about cynicism in my life. Um, I actually really am skeptical of get-rich-quick schemes, lose-weight 
quick schemes uh, or anything that has like a fast return on investment. I'm very skeptical of it. I'm also skeptical of really nice people. Are you like that? You go to a store and somebody's really nice to you and you're thinking, what do you want from me? What do you want to get? So I think all of us deal with that. I know I deal with it. And the reason that most of us deal with this, and here's the reason, we have experience with it, right? We've seen the other side of all this. Matter of fact, one of the reasons that I'm kind of, you know, skeptical of really nice people in public places, and here's the reason I'm skeptical, because I was uh, going to the airport in Atlanta the first time I had flown in years. I was going to Oklahoma City to work on my master's degree, and I knew nothing about flying. My wife was trying to prepare me. I had never flown as an adult. It had been many years uh, since I had flown as a child. And so I uh, get to the airport. This is Atlanta, Hartsfield. If you know Hartsfield, you're going, yeah, I know Hartsfield. And so I get to Hartsfield International Airport, and guess what? I have 30 minutes to make it from the door to my plane. Somebody say, with God, all things are possible, right? And so I go, and what I do is I try to bypass everything I can. I don't, I don't check any bags, so I'm, I've got think bags strapped to me. Um, I'm running because I had to wear suits you know, uh, uh, for some of the chapels and things I had to do to teach. And, and so I'm running through this airport. I'm carrying luggage. I'm running. I'm sweating. I'm running on the little escalator things that carry you forward, right? I, I just look like a complete idiot. And I had this guy come up beside me, and he's running beside me. He's like, hey. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, my name's, my name's Bruce. I'm like thinking, bro, I don't have time for Does it look like I have time to sit down and have a conversation with you? Well, long story short, he offers to help carry my bags. Um, he sees that I had a Bible, and he starts to connect with me. Well, guess what happens a week later? Bruce calls me. Because I thought Bruce is a really nice guy. I thought, this is so, there are good people in this world, Right. Well, Bruce calls me a week later, and he wants to invite me out to what I then found out was a multi-level marketing scheme, and he got really angry when I didn't want to come to his Thursday night gathering, which only had one seat left, right? And he had been saving it just for me, and would I like to make an extra whatever, you know? And so what happened at that point was I began to just kind of distrust people who come on strong, right? Well, that also played in church life, and what I'm getting ready to tell you, you're going to think, man, Kevin, you're terrible. But you might think that Keith and I are terrible, and Mark. But we had this little inside joke. So if somebody stays a really long time after church talking to us, then our thing is, yeah, I just talked with, you know, so-and-so, this, this, this new couple for an hour. I'm like, wow, that's great. Here's what we're going to say next. I bet they're not coming back anymore, right? And, um, and that's not true for everybody. But here's what we, we, we saw in ministry. We saw that those who came on the strongest, we have this saying, never lasted the longest. That those who came on the strongest usually didn't have the staying power. And here's what I've seen on the other end of it. There are people at Thrive Church who've been here many years, and there was one couple who uh, now the husband is, is on our directional team, one of our you know, top leaders that I go to advice and wisdom. They came for a year, and I never knew their names because they never wanted to talk. They walked in quietly. They just nodded their heads, and they, but they took notes every sermon. I thought, they're so studious. I mean, do they even like this church? Why are they here? Um, but they prayed. I have another person who told me, I watched you for a whole year before I ever committed because I want to see if this thing was for real or not. Those people have hung in there like a hair in a biscuit from Bojangles, right? And, and the people who usually come on the strongest never last the longest. You say, well, how can you say that? Well, matter of fact, Jesus dealt with the same thing with his disciples. 
And so we've been looking at this parable about the soil and the seed. So there's soil and there's seed. And Jesus shared this parable. And last week you learned about, you know, the hard heart. And Jesus kind of shares about, you know, what happened when in that day in Palestine when you would go sow seed. You didn't have tractors and things like you have today. What you had in that day and time was you had people who had bags that would walk and they would just throw the seed and scatter the seed. And so what Jesus does is he tells his listeners, he says, hey, uh, the way we receive the word of God, the way we live out the word of God, it, it's kind of like this soul and this seed. He always gave them a word picture to see. And they're like, oh, yeah, I got you. And so what they would imagine is um, you know, someone who worked in, in an agrarian-type lifestyle would go and take the seed and, and throw it and throw it. And Jesus said there's, there's things that happen to the seed. Um, there's, you know, the hard heart, you know, there's the, 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 the ones that fall in the hard soil that never really get in and, and the birds come and take it away. He said, there's, there's the shallow one. He says, and then there's the rocky soil. There's the ones where weeds choke them out. And then there's good soil. He gives them all these different, you know, the kind of outcomes of what happens so they can understand how God's word gets into our heart and how it actually produces And so as he's doing this, he, he actually shares his disciples and says, Hey, look, and there's going to be this seed that goes into really shallow soil, and here's what's going to happen. It's going to sprout quickly, and it's going to die. And he compares that to a certain type of people who receive the gospel and who receive God's word. I want to talk about that today. And if you look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 5, he gives kind of the, the, the I would say, the historical or uh, the, the event of what was happening so they would understand soil and seed. And here's what he says. He says, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, meaning that it, the, the soil looked good, but there was, a, there was only a thin layer of soil. There was rock under it, so the, the roots could never get deep. The, the underlying rock blocked the roots from growing deep. So here's what he says. The seed sprouted quickly because of the soil, because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, watch this, since they didn't have deep roots. And then what Jesus does later, this is his first parable, and so they're probably not really understanding or getting it. He actually explains the parable and what this really means. And he says this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 and verses 21. He says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message. So he's giving them the word picture, right? And immediately receive it with joy. They hear the message of the gospel. They hear the teaching of God's word. And they're like, yeah, this is awesome. They're excited. And look what he says. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. Those who usually come on the strongest never last the longest. You thought that was mean that we would say that. But Jesus said that about discipleship. He says, because their roots can't go any deeper, there's, there are things that are blocking the roots from growing in their life. They just don't last very long. He says, they fall away as soon as they watch this, have problems, or are persecuted for believing God's word. So he tells them exactly what happens to these type of people. So they get really excited about the gospel. They get really excited about following Jesus. They get really excited about God's word. But then when troubles and problems and things hit them, they end up falling away. So realize in this teaching of the soil and the seed, there's 75% who are not going to produce. And only 25%, which we'll hear in the last week of this series, actually produce. And what I want to do today, I want us to look at in our hearts, 
What causes a shallow heart? How do we fix a shallow heart? Because you may say, well, no, my heart's not shallow. All of us watching this, all of us today, I want you to realize something. This is not about your neighbor. This is not about your spouse. This is about you, and this is about me. And what we have to do is this. Search the places of your heart where maybe you have some rock blocking the roots, and you can't really get past the place you're at. Because here's what I want you to write down. Here's what we can learn from Jesus' parable what he shares with them. And it's this, shallow hearts are, are, are uh, excuse me, a shallow heart is attracted to all the wrong things about the gospel. A shallow heart is attracted to all the wrong things about the gospel. People with shallow hearts are actually attracted to things about the gospel that will end up hurting them. I want to, I want to explain that. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, uh, there's a, a situation where Peter is going through and there's miracles being done. Um, he is casting out demons there uh, of people. And there's a, a, a magic worker, a magician they called him, who actually saw this happen. His name was Simon Magus. And he saw what was going on there, that demons were cast out. And then he saw people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And like, you know, just a radical transformation. He saw kind of this miraculous work that was happening. And here's what Simon does. He goes up to Peter and says, I'm going to repent too. I want to accept Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. But there was a reason he wanted to follow Jesus. Once he kind of, you know, you know came to Christ, quote, unquote, or, or did the, you know, whatever the obligation was, then he comes to Peter and says, hey, let me talk to you for a second. How do I do that thing where you, like, put hands on people and, like, they get filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, how much money does it cost me to get that power? Because I want that. I want to be dynamic. I want to be miraculous. Like, like this is the reason I really want to follow Jesus. He was attracted to the wrong things about the gospel. And then Peter just puts him on blast and says, man, you got a wicked heart, bro. Like, you need to go off somewhere and just, you need to go off and really repent. Because this makes God's heart sad that the reason you really want to follow Christ is you have ulterior motives. Now, can we just be honest? Because many of us today, we also have a shallow heart. We have ulterior motives. All of us, including myself, kind of have this reason we're following Jesus and some, then some other reasons we're kind of probably really following Jesus because we live off a reward system in our minds. It's called the limbic reward system. That we do things because it rewards us. It makes us feel good. And when you come to follow Christ, you can't live by that anymore. And so I want to talk to you about you know, the shallow heart. and What causes a shallow heart? I mean, what are those things that really uh, cause us to look like Simon Magus or look like you know, the, the, the seed that Jesus talked about? And it's this. Number one is this. What causes a shallow heart? They are more excited about the church than Jesus. They are more excited about church than Jesus. And let me unpack this for you. The Lord challenged me. The Lord challenged me personally in my prayer life. He said, Kevin, you are more driven about the church. You're more excited about the brand of Thrive Church. Everything goes back to Thrive Church. He said, are you more excited about the church than you are your relationship with me and being redeemed by me? And can I be honest with you? Yes, there was a point in time in my life I was that way. There's a point in time that I was more concerned about promoting the church and growing numbers and doing all these things more than I was my personal relationship with Jesus. And that happens all the time in the church world. But can I be honest with you? There are people who come to the church building who like the music. They even like the speaking. Hey, that guy's kind of cool. I understand it. It makes sense. Um, it's even logical. Hey, maybe it could be helpful. And people come and they sit and they really like church. But here's the deal. 
they've not begun to follow Jesus. They've not begun to fully understand that you can like church and not be a Christian. You can enjoy church and not be a Christian. You can actually come sit here all the time and die and go to hell because you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've heard this old adage before, right? If you go and sit in a garage and go, vroom, 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 does it make you a car? And the answer is no. There's a lot of people sitting in churches going, vroom, 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 and they're not followers of Christ. Which leads us to our second point of what creates a shallow heart. They just don't understand the gospel. The reason we're so gospel-centered and gospel-focused here, because I believe we have an epidemic in America. We're the third largest mission field in the world. However, because of that, people think everybody knows about Jesus. No, people don't understand the gospel. There are people who go to church all the time that don't understand the gospel. What we've dumbed the gospel down to, the message of Jesus, we say respond to the gospel. What we've kind of dumbed salvation down to is this. Well, just accept Jesus in your heart. Did you accept him in your heart? And we've turned it into this little, you know, vacation Bible school way of, of not understanding what salvation really is and what the gospel really is. And can I tell you something? It troubles me. Because when I gave my life to Christ, I was not called to come and give my heart to Jesus. I was called to repent of my sin, to turn from my old life, to accept God's new life, to accept forgiveness, and then say, my whole life will be done according to what you want, God, not what I want. I will reshape, I'll reframe the way I think about everything according to Scripture, not according to culture, not according to media, not according to my political party. I will shape every way of thinking according to the Bible, which is your heart and your thought toward us. And people aren't being called to the gospel. They're being called to this really, we're wondering why they just fall away. Well, they, they, didn't, they didn't really receive Christ. They never repented. They never said, you know what? Today I turn from my old life. Today I refuse to live the way I used to live. I receive full forgiveness of sins. I ask for, for, this, for this forgiveness. And now, God, fill me with your spirit and let me live for you. That now I'm going to do it your way. And we don't do that anymore. We've kind of dumbed it down. Here's another, I say, what creates a shallow heart. And it, Jesus is seen as their heavenly butler. People with shallow hearts, Jesus is seen as their heavenly butler. I say this all the time, but it's, it's so true. We live in a society that's on demand, right? And like literally now with church being on demand, you can watch it anytime. And I want to be honest with you, when it comes to our prayer lives, when it comes to our prayer request, here's what I see. We pray for comfort more than we do the causes of God, the purposes of God. We, we're reactionary prayers. And here's what I see more than anything else in my life, and you probably see it in your life. We see Jesus as our butler. Our prayer life is going, ding, ding, ding. Yes, Jesus, I need you to do these three things today for me, if you will. Just kind of line those up for me. Make life really easy. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. And if you want to get real spiritual, you say it a few times. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Almighty God. In the name of... Like, and that, that way you're kind of hopefully... Like, if you really say it with passion, you invoke the heavenly butler to come do everything you want to do. I say this all the time because we miss it in America. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve God. And the reason people fall away is they have agendas for God. Uh, they come and they want God to do their bidding. When God says, no, 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 I'm a king. I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I'm the creator of this universe. 
I am your curios, your master, your Lord, and you will do as I say. I'm not here to do as you say. And when people don't get their prayers answered the way that they want them answered, then they fall away. It's like you prayed for a loved one, the prayer to get answered, and so guess what? You're mad at God because somebody died. Or you prayed for the divorce not to happen if you're a kid, and you really prayed hard, and it didn't. So guess what? Now you're mad at God. Or you prayed for that job, and the job didn't open up, and how dare you, God? Or you made a move somewhere, and you didn't really pray about it. You just wanted to do it, and you had every reason to. You go, it doesn't work out, and you get mad, right? You sent me here to, I don't know, man, Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's a place I never want to move in my life because that's where Breaking Bad was filmed. Um, and also, on, on the vacation, we stayed there one night and got our car broken into. So now I, I view Albuquerque, and maybe you're from there, and please don't hate me for this, but I view Albuquerque as like the place I just don't want to go, right? I moved to Albuquerque, and my car got broken into, right? Like, by a person on blue meth. <laughs> and so anyway, you're mad at God because of that. Why? Because he's your heavenly butler. His whole purpose is to make life comfortable and easy for you. And when it doesn't happen, guess what? We turn away. Jesus said that. He said when problems and trials come, they quickly fall away. Because their expectation of the gospel wasn't met. They accepted Jesus in their heart. Now God's supposed to answer every prayer that they send to him because he's their heavenly butler. Here's what I want you to understand. This is why this is so important today. This is uh, critically important for me. Because like I told you, when I gave my life to Christ, like I surrendered. See, Jesus calls you to come and see. Then he calls you to come and follow. There's, there's three levels. But then he says this. Then he calls you to come and die. The disciples first came and saw. They watched him. They listened. And then he invited them to come and follow him. But then they had to come and die. They all died a martyr's death for following Christ. We believe Christianity is just come and see. Come and check it out. Arms distance. I'll do what I want to. One thing I saw this on social media that just troubled me. A, a, a dear friend of mine talked about how he walked away from God and walked away from the church and walked away from his, his religion and all this stuff, which you can walk away from religion. Friends, I didn't grow up in, in a youth group. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in any of that. And here's the trouble I have with American Christianity. There's a point in time when Jesus looked at Peter. Like Jesus preached this really hard sermon. You think Jesus is like this really nice guy who's just nice to everybody. That's not who Jesus was. He preached this sermon that called people to the highest level of commitment and they walked away. You know what Jesus did? He turns around and looks at his disciples and says, you want to go too? There's the door, y'all. You want to go? And Peter's response is a response of what every believer should have. He looks at Jesus and says, where else are we going to go? Like, only you have the words of eternal life. Like, there's nowhere else for us. My fear is in American Christianity is that we grow up in this Americanized Christian religion and you can walk away from I can't walk away from redemption. You know why? I can't walk away from being chosen by God. I can't walk away. I have nothing else to go to, y'all. I have nothing else to go to. I have nothing else. Like, do you understand? I was rescued. I was, the, the, I was like that rescue dog. We have two rescue dogs on the side of the street and had nothing to offer this, this God. Nothing to offer our God. You know what happened? He rescued and redeemed me. It's like, where else am I going to go? Back to the street? Like, only he, I have nowhere else to go. Our problem is that in American Christianity, is the moment we don't get our agendas met, the moment that somebody hurts us, the moment 
that we experience pain and suffering. We're ready to just kind of walk away from it. And that's, I don't understand it. When I read these posts, my heart goes out, and I told the guy, I love you, I'm really sorry, but I'm like, walk away. Like, you can just walk away from this? Like, like I would have no purpose in life without Jesus Christ. I would have no direction in life without Jesus Christ. Like, he, when I say that he rescued me, he rescued me. And, and here's my fear, and if we don't get this today, if you don't understand the shallow heart, here's the fallout, here's what's going to happen. If we don't develop a, a depth to our faith, what's going to happen is this. We will fall away when our agendas are not met. If you don't develop a, a depth to your faith, then troubles and trials will push you away from Christ, will push you away from the church the moment you have offense or conflict. It's going to push you away from digging into Jesus. A true, redeemed Christ follower will allow troubles and trials to push them deeper into their faith, not away from their faith. They'll dig in to get a depth of faith, and God will send those things in our life to make sure that we do that. And that's my fear for you is the moment that you don't have your agendas met, the moment that you don't have things done the way that you want it to be done, then you're going to walk away. The moment you don't get your prayers answered, you're going to walk away. And so here's what we have to do. I want you to write this down in in your notes. And uh, it's kind of a question. How do we develop a depth to our faith? How do we do that? Because you're saying, yeah, man, I have, I know, can I be honest with you guys? There are shallow areas of my life. There are some deep areas, right? But I have to also look at this message and figure out where are the shallow areas. And here's what we, what we must do. How do we develop a depth to our faith? And this is the key. Make glad, watch this, obedience your target in all circumstances. Now, the reason I put glad obedience, it's being joyful in the trial, Right? Like you hear more than anything, rejoice in trials, rejoice in this, rejoice when you're persecuted. And you're thinking, how do you do that? It's called glad obedience. That when it hurts, you still joyfully serve God because you love him. You don't love what's happening. You don't love what's happening to you. That's, that, that's like masochism. You, you know, hey, I'm really glad I get pain. Like I love pain. That's not what it is. But you make in every circumstance of your life glad obedience. When the things that you pray for and the opposite happens, you have glad obedience. I, you know, I sat with my mom and my dad who both died right before my eyes. And I remember sitting with my mom and we did pray for healing. Man, we, we, you know, we, we played hymns on my little computer and, and we, we would worship together and we prayed together. And I watched her shrivel up and die while trusting God. But can I tell you something what I did? I had a choice in that time to sit there and be mad at God. Why is this happening? Right? Well, it happens to a lot of people. Why is this happening? And I paused. And I said, God, you've now given me six weeks with her to enjoy the final days. Some people never get that. Some people, some people wake up to a tragic phone call and they never get to say goodbye. Here's what I did. I made glad obedience the target in my circumstance. I enjoyed the gift of time that God had given me. And I thanked God for that. Even though my prayer wasn't answered. I served God with joy anyway. If you think Christianity is just being obedient because you don't like it and you hate it, well, I don't like it. I'm going to do it anyway. That's, that's not the attitude. God loves a cheerful uh, giver. If you ever give to, to, to the things of God and you're angry and you're mad and you think the church wants your money, you know what God says? God says, keep it. For I love a cheerful giver. I love people who are joyful in their trials. That, that, that brings pleasure to my heart. And so we have to make glad obedience the target. If you want a depth of faith, you'll find people who are going through the worst things in their life 
And that's when they're praising God the most. They're leaning in to Jesus in every trial of their life. We have to do that. See, the deepest people you'll ever meet in your life are those who love the Lord Jesus and obey him even when they don't get the prayers answered the way that they wanted. See, there's shallow people and there's deep people. There are people who get, you know, fall away. There are people who walk away. And here's the differences I've seen. Shallow people, they want the feeling of joy in order to, to begin serving God. And whatever that is, whether it's at a local church, whether it's a, you're serving at a, it's a, they want to get that feeling first. I'm not really quite ready to serve. I don't feel like it. You know what deep people do? They find joy from serving. They don't need the feeling to do it. They get the feeling because they do it. Like, man, I'm joy. I love to do it. If you're always waiting for a feeling before you do something, then you're worshiping a feelings. Make glad obedience your target even when you don't feel it. You know, you know what else? Shallow people, what they believe, they believe that generous people are joyful. That's what they believe. Shallow people look at people who are generous. Well, they're, they're just happy. That's, you know, that, that's just who they are. Here's the key to joyful people. They're generous, and that's what creates the joy. Does that make sense? They're not waiting. Like, they're not saying, well, well, when I get really joyful, then I'll be generous. When I get really happy, then I'll just, woo. What they do is they find, watch this, that generosity produces joy. Shallow people in, in their life want God to be generous to them. They're always leaning on the generosity of God. God, please give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But they don't want to be generous to God's kingdom. They want this a one-way relationship with their Heavenly Father. That's the key to what I've seen to people who come into the waters of baptism, they get up, and you don't see them again. There are people that I call milk carton Christians. What does that mean? That they're on the back of milk carton. You can't find them six months after, after they're like, man, I got your back, Pastor. I'm in this thing. Yeah, woo. And you look behind you like, you got my back. How, I mean, do you mean that you got my back way back? Because I can't even see you. Like, like where are you at? And there are people who fall away. There are people who walk away. There are people you can't find anymore. Whatever happened to so-and-so, right? Because they had the wrong motives from the beginning. And they had a shallow faith. Where the smallest thing, the smallest offense, the smallest hurt, the smallest crisis pushed them away from serving God. One of the things that, I, that my prayer is this, I want you to develop a depth to your faith. I want you to flourish, or may I say it, thrive. I want you to do that. And there's a secret to that. Finally, here's what deep people know that shallow people don't know. Deep people are rooted in the word of God. Where do you find glad obedience from? It's from obeying God and obeying the scriptures. It's from reading the scriptures and obeying the scriptures. It's reading the scriptures and changing your mind about things because you're reading the scriptures. You know, Psalm 1 is one of our favorite psalms, and you'll hear it over and over him, uh, again here at Thrive Church. And, and here's what I know about that psalm. You can go back and you can read this. But the psalmist writes this. That he who meditates on the law of the Lord, right? Like that's scripture. He who meditates. That word meditate means to muse. It means to really think about what the scripture is, like really just a really, and how it, what it means to you. And, and he who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night, right? It's not just devotionettes for Christianettes, right? But it's, it's you're, I mean, you're just musing on the word of God and what it means for you. He says, those people have a depth. 
He says they are like trees that are planted by the river, meaning they have a great root system of water. They won't dry up when the sun hits hits them, when trials come. He says those people will flourish. Those people will grow. I want you to think about in your life, where is it that you're finding yourself shallow? Where is it you're finding that when you don't get your way like a petulant three-year-old, you're mad at God and you're... Where is it in your, in your relationship with God that is one way? That you're calling upon the generosity of God but refuse to be generous to God's kingdom? Where is it in your life that you're finding over and over again you keep running into the hard ground and you just can't get past it? It's because you may not have a, a, a depth of faith. It may be because you're not making glad obedience the target in everything that you do in life. That you're going to serve God no matter what happens in your life it's like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego when they were all thrown to the fire they said whether God rescues or not us or not he's still Lord and we're going to follow him will that be your prayer because that's my prayer for you is that the people of Thrive Church begin to develop a depth of faith where nothing can shake them stay tuned for next steps Hey, that was an incredible message from Pastor Kevin. And today, as you're watching this online, you may want to make the most important decision of your life. And that's the decision to follow Christ. You see, Jesus, when he came to this earth 2,000 years ago, when he was born, he didn't just give great life lessons. He didn't just perform miracles, but he is the way of salvation. You see, when he died, he was crucified on a cross. But three days later, on that third day, he resurrected and came back to life. Now that's incredible because that resurrection wasn't just him coming back to life, but that was him giving us a way for salvation, to be forgiven of our sins. Because for you and me, we can't uh, do enough good. We can't earn our way into heaven. But as it says in Romans, uh, that the only way of salvation is through believing and confessing. That we believe that Jesus was who he said he was. That he died and resurrected on that third day. And in that resurrection, conquered death, hell, and the grave. That we can be forgiven of our sins. So it's to believe that and to confess that. And if you want to make the decision to follow Christ today, it's you doing just those two things. So here's what I'd love for you to do. The way you can confess that today is click the link in the description that says you made a decision for salvation. And what we want to do, why do we do that? Because we want to connect with you. We want to invest in your relationship with God. And we have some free resources online that we want to send to you, that we want to connect with you. Again, we want to help you have a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're new with us here today, if this is the first time or maybe the second time you've joined us here online, we'd love to connect with you also. Make sure you click that link that says, I'm new here. Because we want to, again, we have something we want to give to you, some free resources and just a way to bless you for being with us today. So if you would, listen, we're about to go into this week, and I don't know about you, but I need God's help uh, with everything that I'm facing. So let's pray together today. So pray with me. God, we're so thankful that we can still gather even though online. And God, I pray that over the message that Pastor Kevin shared, God, may it impact us, may it transform us, because your word is true no matter what we're facing. God, I pray that you give us your strength and your peace as we go into this week. God, we thank you for all that you have done, all that you're going to do. And it's your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. See you soon.